Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. To Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars show, brought to you from a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Mark Asquith, and this week it is a solo episode. My good friend, compatriots, and the best-looking Star Wars podcaster this side of the Kessel Run is actually away this week. So today... I'm going to be talking to you about my thoughts on the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. Now, I was away when Gaz broke this news a couple of weeks ago. And next week, we're going to be diving into everything from D23 because there was a heck of a lot of news. Obviously, there was a new Rise of Skywalker trailer. There was the Mandalorian trailer. We got a pile of other news that also came through from D23. So Gaz and I are going to dissect all of that next week when we get back to the normal format but this week you got me you got me solo and we are going to be talking about Mr. McGregor's return now before I do that just a little reminder that if you are a fan of the show and if you want to get involved if you want to support the team here at Spark of Rebellion if you want to help us keep producing amazing Star Wars content for you then you can get involved over on our Patreon that's right we take every cent out of Patreon and we reinvest that back in the show. And when we get to a certain number of patrons over there, we're actually going to be releasing a second show called The Holocron Files, which is a bonus series just for people over on Patreon. So if you want to get involved, maybe you want to get a hold of some of that executive producer credit. Maybe you want to get a hold of some amazing Spark of Rebellion swag. Whatever you fancy, even if you just want to buy us a coffee, you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. Also, if you want to discuss this episode, if you want to talk about Kenobi, if you want to talk about anything that came up from D23, or you want to discuss anything Star Wars related at all, maybe you just want to shoot the breeze, have a bit of banter with us, you can do that over on Instagram and Twitter. There are two main social channels. So all you need to do is head up to the search bar at the top of your social channel, Instagram or Twitter. Search for Spark of Rebellion. Give us a little follow and get involved. We will reply to each and every comment. I promise you that. So, let's dig in. We have heard the rumours for a while. First of all, we thought we were getting an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. And there were even rumours for a time that someone like Chris Pratt might take over the role of Mr. Kenobi. I don't think anyone really expected that to happen. And I don't think really that anyone... Let's be honest. Sorry, Chris, you're a good guy. But I don't think anyone really wanted that. And, you know, with the kind of lacklustre, I mean, is it lacklustre, but the the seemingly or perceived lacklustre success of Solo and even Rogue One, even though I thought both of those movies, you know, did a good job and and were great at what they did, 
Bob Iger and, and, and the rest of the team over at Disney apparently didn't think that was the case. And then obviously we heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service, which is going to be interesting. Let's be completely honest. Disney own a mass of property from Marvel to Star Wars, now Fox, and of course, National Geographic. So let, let's be clear on this. This is going to be some very, very premium content. And looking at, you know, the Mandalorian trail, you've got Carl Weathers in there. You've got some amazing people working on the Mandalorian, John Favreau, season two already confirmed. The production values are Game of Thrones level. You know, they are HBO level. They're very, very high quality. And that is no surprise because ultimately that's the thing that Disney is trying to compete with. It's trying to compete compete with cable. It's trying to compete with the fact that, look, we all have streaming services. We all have streaming services. We've all got Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and whatever else. It's crazy the amount of streaming services there are. And kind of ironic that, uh, you know, within the next four to five years, I imagine that we'll all probably end up going back to paying one person for all of our TV, bring back Sky TV. But Obi-Wan Kenobi has kind of been in, I, I wouldn't say development hell, but certainly we've not seen anything come out of Disney confirming, yay or nay, that, that anything with Kenobi was happening. I think we all assumed it, given that McGregor, He's now 48 years old and he, he's right in the mix when it comes to playing Ben Kenobi at the age that we see him in A New Hope. Granted, Alec Guinness yeah, maybe looks a tad older, good old Al, but ultimately, you know, in, in, in canon, I think he was supposed to be around 55 years old at the, at the start of A New Hope. It's a tough paper round, you know, but we all know that being out in the sun ages your skin a lot. And let's be honest, Tatooine's a desert. Let's not be too harsh on him. Can't see him nipping up to Moss Eisley and uh, nipping up to the spaceport and and, and and trying to get a hold of some moisturizer. I, I just, you know, Toshi Station. Can I get, have you got some Nivea? I just, you know, it's not going to happen. So, all right, Alec, we'll give you that one. But let's be honest, like I said, Ewan is at the age now where he can play the play the game. He can play Kenobi pretty well. So, I was struck by a few thoughts when I, when I, when I heard this news. I mean, it was no surprise, but at the same time, it was pure elation. Because let's be honest, Ewan McGregor in the Star Wars prequels is pretty badass. He's pretty badass. And his character has been developed quite nicely over the last couple of years in the new canon as well. So you got to look at things like, yeah, sure, the prequel, yeah, you know, the, the, some of the dialogue is a little bit clunky, a lot clunky. All right, it's really clunky dialogue, okay? But He's still one of the best things about the prequels. You know, even even in Star Wars Episode One, Phantom Menace, he's still pretty cool. It's nice to see a young Obi-Wan. And then as we see him mature and we see him through uh, through Attack of the Clones, he's got that long haircut. You know, he's, he's took Anakin under his wing. He's dealing with this. He, he matures into this kind of pretty sarcastic, yet pretty badass fighter. He's got this kind of negotiator attitude. That's his kind of nickname. He's known as the negotiator. He is ultimately a, a Jedi master by the end of Revenge of the Sith that you can rely on. You know, he's one of the top in the upper echelons of the Jedi Council. And of course, highly trusted, highly regarded by everyone in the Jedi Order. So, he's, you know, Obi-Wan has got the respect that he deserves. Now, when you look at other, other kind of mediums, you look at the Clone Wars, that really fleshed Obi-Wan out for me, really fleshed him out. And interesting what it did for me as well is it fleshed out the relationship between Anakin and himself. Okay. This kind of brother, you are my brother, Anakin, you know, that whole, when it, when it came to Revenge of the Sith, you know, that you were my brother, that did, were you really Anakin? Cause the, cause the prequels never really got to that. It never gave away 
the sentiment, the 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 bond, the closeness that that Anakin and Obi Wan had created. So the Clone Wars, well, they really dug into that. You know, they really, really did nice work with that. They 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 they, they put that right at the centre. So all the interactions were there. You saw Obi Wan learn to trust Anakin. You saw Yoda give Anakin a, a Padawan in Ahsoka Tano as a way of humbling and and, and kind of uh, making making the newly minted Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker a little bit more mindful, a little bit less reckless. Did it work? Of course not. Ahsoka was just as bad. But that dynamic was explored that we never saw in the films. And when you look at things like uh, some of the other novels as well, so you look at everything from everything from Dark Disciple, which is set, it's actually a Clone Wars uh, story, which was supposed to be part of the Clone Wars TV show. Never got filmed because, as we know, that was cancelled prematurely. Albeit, it will be back. It will be back next year on Disney+. Plus. That Disciple was an amazing book. It was an amazing book. It, it chronicled the partnership between Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress, who was a, a major player, both decent players, in the Clone Wars and their assassination attempt on Count Dooku just before the events of Revenge of the Sith. And it was... It was very, very interesting to see Kenobi in that. It was a nice surprise that Anakin and uh, the, uh, the Kenobi and Anakin were involved in Dark Disciple for me. I didn't expect them to be as involved as they were. And that, that again, fleshed out Kenobi's stature on the council. You saw the Jedi Council leaning towards assassination and, and, and Obi-Wan kind of, kind of going along with it and giving the orders and taking responsibility for Quinlan Vos, who's his friend. You know, this tumult, tumultuous kind of storyline. And I'm, I won't give it away, but it really is a wonderful story. And you see Kenobi there just say, you know, at the end of it, maybe, maybe the Jedi Council has learned some lessons. You know, he was always the placator. He was always the fair guy within the Jedi Council. At least that's the way he was portrayed. And then if we skip back in time, if we skip back in time to Claudia Gray's master and apprentice, well, we see Obi-Wan as a newly minted, I'm not newly minted, but certainly a, a Padawan that is very early in the training with Qui-Gon, being matched to Qui-Gon not so long before. And this is set a couple of years, I think a couple of years before The Phantom Menace. And we see shades of Anakin in Obi-Wan. And maybe this is why they worked out so well. You see shades of Anakin throughout that entire story, even going behind Qui-Gon's back to notify the Jedi Council of behavior of Ray Lavaros and Qui-Gon Jinn that... that, that uh, that Obi-Wan perhaps doesn't fully agree with, all right? And that is Shades of Anakin, you know. If he believes in something, he's going to act on it. And let's be honest, that is what Anakin Skywalker stood for, you know? He he was always he was always uh, struggling with the speed at which the Jedi Council moved and some of the decisions that they made, mainly because Anakin was impatient. That was his downfall, ultimately. His fear, his impatience, his anger. So, so Kenobi's kind of been fairly rounded out. But, as we all know, aside from the Legends documentation, aside from the Legends literature, the Kenobi book, and so on and so forth, really, nothing within this post-Revenge of the Sith, pre-A New Hope era has been covered. Except for, of course, two little tidbits. And those two tidbits, of course, were a nice throwaway little comment in Rogue One, where you see, I think it's Mon Mothma and Bail Organa, is it Mon Mothma, discussing uh, maybe we should reactivate our old Jedi friend who served as well in the Clone Wars. And I'm like, you know, completely, 
completely jumping off my seat at that point in the in the movie theater this is outstanding it's obi-wan they're gonna get obi-wan this is why we need the plans and then of course we see the handover of the plans to princess leia at the end just before she goes ahead and records the holographic image which kicks off the entire original trilogy and of course prior to that in canon we then got the fantastically subtle and yet somehow epic albeit not an epic star wars duel more of an epic star wars moment when Obi-Wan finally was caught up by Darth Maul on Tatooine. And, and, and we got that in Twin Sons, which was just an amazing rounding out, I thought, of Darth Maul's story. That Darth Maul is a, a wonderfully fleshed out character. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that as well, maybe in the future with Darth Maul. But we saw that kind of, that you know, that, that kind of uh, almost a respect and friendship at the end of it. You know, we saw Darth Maul saying, you know, he's the chosen one. And 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 Obi Wan kind of acknowledging the fact that we thought Luke was is Luke the chosen one. Well, there's discussions around. We can uh, we can we can discuss that later on. Is it Anakin? Is it Luke? Is it someone else? Only time will tell. And I'm sure that everyone, including Mr. Lucas himself, chops and changes mind enough on that that we can have some really good discussions on it. But we all know that Obi Wan was there, just looking after Luke, keeping an eye on him. Now, Rebels was set in particular that particular episode I believe was set because that was around the end of season three beginning of season four I think was it uh, maybe the end of season four I, I, my, my timelines are a little bit off there but it was certainly it was certainly season three onwards which means that this is only a couple of years before a new hope this is only theoretically a couple of years before a new hope so Darth Maul made it all the way through he made it up until almost the beginning of Rogue One you know which is which is uh, again right up to to a new hope and so you've got to assume that Luke is, is, is of a decent age at that point, 15, 16, 17. So what's interesting here to me is the fact that Ewan McGregor has now come out. So he did this a couple of days ago. He did this on the 29th. Uh, and Ewan's confirmed that through his producer and, and, and I think even director kind of role, potentially on a few episodes, that the new Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show is going to be set around eight years after Revenge of the Sith. So 11 years prior to A New Hope. That means Luke is eight years old. It means Leia is eight years old. It means that Obi-Wan is about 43 years old. Okay, about 43 years old. It means that Darth Maul is still around. It means there's a good chunk of time in Darth Maul. It also means, this is interesting, it means that there's a lot of ground here to cover because this is squarely in the period that Rebels hasn't touched. It's squarely in the period that not that much of the literature has touched. And it's around the time of Solo. It's around the time of Solo. What's interesting about that is that we saw Darth Maul at the end. It was a great reveal that Darth Maul, cybernetic legs and all, was the leader of Black Sun. All right. And we saw that rise through Clone Wars. We saw him uh, as the criminal mastermind and kind of, uh, you know, disavow the Sith, quote unquote, religion and become this kind of crime lord. Okay, we've seen that. And that's going to be explored, I think, a little bit more in in the Clone Wars um, as, as they wrap up that season seven. But what's interesting here is that we saw that in Solo. We saw Solo kind of um, explore Maul's being alive, okay? What interests me here is that I think this is on purpose. I think that Solo was 
may be intended to kind of segue into a Kenobi movie, which in turn has turned into the TV show, which I believe means that we are going to see some Darth Maul in Kenobi. I think we're going to see that because I think we're going to start to see, for people that haven't seen Rebels, we're going to start to see that drive because let's be honest, throughout the Clone Wars and Rebels, all Maul wanted to do was get revenge on Kenobi. That is it, okay? We've seen him try and pull Ezra through. We've seen him try and just influence so many people. We've seen Kane and Jarrah step in and, and pull Ezra back from the midst of the dark side. And that was really all about Maul's revenge against uh, Kenobi, to the point that he flies off into the sunset when he finds out where Kenobi is. And we see that uh, that fateful duel again, where we see Kenobi's mastery of, I think it's Sarasu, isn't it? Form 4 of, of lightsaber dueling, where he's just on the defensive and with one or two Simple strokes, he, he takes Darth Maul down. Are we going to see in Kenobi, this is an interesting number one point for me, are we going to see in Kenobi Darth Maul's obsession? Okay, and are we going to see a dovetail between the two? And actually, how are they going to handle, because let's be honest, it would be amazing to see Kenobi on screen, Ewan McGregor, throw down again with Ray Park as Darth Maul. But does that undo all the great work that Rebels did? I don't know. Does it does it take away from that epic last meeting? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I would love to see it, but I don't want it to undo Twin Sons. I don't want it to undo what Rebels did. Because that was really bittersweet ending at the end. They weren't friends, but they had a massive mutual respect, you know? So I don't want them to do that. But at the same time, I kind of do. I kind of want them to explore that a little bit more. Can they do that without undoing what Rebels did? Maybe they can. Maybe they can meet off-world. They're not. Maybe Kenobi's off on some spacefaring adventure. He gets called away. He senses something in the Force that he just can't stay away from. Maybe something pulls him away. Maybe he gets pulled up by the Jedi Purge, which is something I'm going to get to in a second, and he ends up off-world somewhere, and he ends up coming across Maul. I don't know. Maybe we're going to see a few years of cat and mouse. Maybe we're going to see a few years of cat and mouse where it is just, they are just evading each other seconds at a time, missing each other by minutes in place by place by place, which which could then theoretically fuel that anger within Darth Maul, keep that dark side force pushing through and just, just kind of keep that interest in the trouble with that. You kind of get the will there, won't there, which can get a little bit boring after three or four seasons, but we will see. So that was my first thought when I read a little bit more about this was, are we going to see Darth Maul? Because the timeline is a round solo timeline, are we going to see something that links into that solo appearance? My gut tells me that, yeah, you know what? I think we probably are. Also, are we going to start to see, and this this is, this is kind of the second point, I think we're going to start to see that really interesting period. So we've had a few bits of literature in that time frame. So Tarkin, uh, Lords of the Sith, uh, which is the uh, Darth Vader and, and Emperor storyline. There are a few books in that time space where we've seen, I even think Lost Stars touches on this a little bit, where we've seen the Empire, the burgeoning Empire. So that transformation from the Republic to the Empire. We've seen the struggles of some of the stormtroopers, you know, because at this point, you know, they're maybe phasing out the clone troopers in favour of hand-picked aka kidnapped kids who become clone troopers, sorry, become stormtroopers thereafter. We see the shift in the armour. You know, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens um, around that time when it comes to Kenobi, some of his allies. You know, are we going to see Cody and Rex? Did Cody survive? 
Did Kenobi kill him? I can't remember. Certainly Rex survived. It was canonically referenced that Rex is at the Battle of Endor. What is going to happen? What is going to happen there? Are we going to see some of the old guard kicking through? Are we going to see Ahsoka? We saw Ahsoka Tano. We know what happened during the Ahsoka book. She's in hiding too. She's not a Jedi, but she gave up a white lightsaber. We saw in the Ahsoka book that she did reveal her Jedi powers to the Inquisitor, who then made an appearance up in Rebels and the the Inquisitor team. Are we going to see Rex and Ahsoka show up? The first live-action versions of Ahsoka and Rex, albeit outside of Rex retconned into Return of the Jedi. Are we going to see that? Would that be good? I think that would be fantastic because I think Ahsoka Tano is not done with, along with Hera Syndulla, who, again, we've seen in a couple of books post, uh, I want to say post uh, Return of the Jedi. We've seen a couple of books out there. Um, But are we going to see Ahsoka? It would be very interesting. Captain Rex, because they're all on the run. Let's be honest. They're all on the run. They're working with this, again, this fledgling, fledgling rebellion. It's not a rebellion eight years after Mustafa. It's not a rebellion yet. It's a couple of cells, as we saw in Rebels. You know, the ghost cell was just a cell. You see people like Mon Mothma. You see people like Bail Organa trying to get this up and running in the early days in some of the books. I think it's Leia, Princess of Alderaan, actually, which is where um, Leia is just about 15, 16 years old. But I think it starts a little earlier than that. And you start to see these quote-unquote dinner parties that Bail Organa is throwing at his home palace um, with, with Queen Brea. You start to see these things and, and you realise, actually, this is, this is the fledgling rebellion. And, you know, they've just not connected the dots yet. They've been stockpiling resources. They've just not put a noose around it and pulled all the cells together. But are we going to see that? Are we going to see Bail Organa, Jimmy Smith? Will he pop up and and start to say, look, Obi-Wan, we need you? I don't know. But it's a very exciting time. The, The amount of things that can be mined from Revenge of the Sith, from the Clone Wars, people that are still around that weren't around during a new hope. So, of course, Darth Maul, you know, people like that, they're around. Are we going to see him communing with Qui-Gon? Are we going to see him learning how to become more powerful than you can possibly imagine? Are we going to see that? Is Liam Neeson back? I don't know. Are we going to see some Force Ghosts? Are we going to see some voices from the netherworld? Are we going to see the world between worlds? This is why it becomes super exciting. I think this is a beautiful pick for that timeline. A beautiful, beautiful pick for that timeline. Are we going to see Biggs Darklighter? All right, let's be honest. Are we going to see all the people that Luke interacts with? And this is the third point that really, really interests me. Young Luke. Young Luke. He's going to be getting into scraps. He's going to be He's going to be kind of wondering why he feels different, why he can sense things, why he's got this, this wanderlust. He's going to be wondering who's this guy that I keep just seeing out of the corner of my eye. How involved is young Luke going to be? How involved are Uncle Owen and Baru going to be? Are we going to see the same casting from Revenge of the Sith? Maybe, maybe. The guy from Warrior, what's his name? Joel Edgerton, Joel, Joel Edgerton, is it Edgerton? Uh, Yeah, that's maybe his name. Now, yeah, it is, it is. Joel Edgerton, Edgerton. That's really hard to say. Joel Edgerton reprising his role as Uncle Owen. I don't know, it would be it would be really, really interesting to see that. You know, the idea that Obi-Wan maybe wants to get close to Luke, 
or maybe he wants to stay away and Uncle Owen is pushing back either way, you know, saying you can't get involved or you should get involved. Either way, a dynamic between Obi-Wan, you know, the only reminder of Luke's heritage, of Anakin's fall from grace, you know, the only reminder that the Jedi Order once existed, the only reminder for, for Beru and Owen that they're, they're essentially their adopted son is not really, not really a normal kid that is intended to stay where he is. You know, we're going to see that resentment from Luke, that wanderlust that we saw in A New Hope, you know, so prominently. Are we going to see that kicking in? Are we going to see, are we going to see things like, um, just really that kind of, that wondering, that wondering from Luke, or that 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 interaction between Luke and Obi-Wan, where it just becomes the odd conversation now and again, end of season one cliffhanger, you know, where Luke stumbles across this old hermit guy. And it's, you know, because he knew him in A New Hope, he knew it, old Ben Kenobi. You know, he knew of Ben Kenobi the hermit and went seeking him out. How does that develop? How does that come about? Okay. But a couple of things that have got me very excited in particular, over and above all of that, about the potential, the potential fun and the potential potential mythology that we could see within that time frame, eight years after, eight years after Revenge of the Sith. That time frame is ripe. And here are the two things that I would be most interested to see. Number one, the Jedi Purge. What does Obi-Wan do here? How does he survive? Because let's be honest, Vader, the 501st, the Inquisitors, they are out there. You know, they've been kind of um, taking over worlds, as we saw in the Ahsoka book. We've seen the Inquisitors hunting down anyone that is Force-sensitive. And when it comes out that Ahsoka is a Jedi, the Inquisitor comes to throw down within that book. What's going to happen here? You know, you've got Obi-Wan Kenobi, one of the most powerful living Force users at this point. Granted, there are so many more. There's the Jedi Ford and all the people, the Saw Gerrera out there who's not Force-sensitive, but he's connecting the dots with Force-sensitives, I'm sure. You've got Ahsoka Tano, you've got Kanan Jarrus, you've got Ezra Bridger, you've got Yoda, of course, on Dagobah, who is being subdued by the dark side over there to hide his presence, because he really is like a beacon for the light side. So Dagobah dampens his beacon due to being such a big dark side well. But then you've got Obi-Wan Kenobi, this massive force beacon. Do we see him here making The Last Jedi better, adding in to Luke Skywalker's arc in The Last Jedi by maybe cutting himself off from the force? Maybe he cuts himself off from the force or tries to. Maybe there's a little precedent in the canon that's coming here to be retconned and to, to show a little bit of um, where Luke got this from, because we don't know if Luke's still been communing with Obi-Wan. You know, we were only assuming that after Return of the Jedi, he wasn't. We didn't see Obi-Wan in anything. Sure, we saw Yoda. What's to say he wasn't communing with Obi-Wan throughout all that time in exile? We just simply don't know. Maybe it was Obi-Wan that said to Luke, you know, if you're really struggling with this, my man, cut yourself off like I did. I don't know. I don't know. But look, if you've got Vader and the Inquisitors, maybe you would cut yourself off from the Force. But then that leads me to perhaps the most interesting problem or the most interesting potential storyline here, which is how Obi-Wan is emotionally, mentally and physically dealing with the loss, not only of Padme, but the loss of his friend, his brother, his Padawan, Anakin Skywalker. How 
is Obi-Wan dealing with this? Because Obi-Wan Kenobi is a character, as we've seen in places like Dark Disciple and, and with Princess Satine of, uh, Sabine Satine, of um, Mandalore, Obi-Wan gets attached. All right, forget the Jedi Order. Obi-Wan gets attached. He does, and he takes it on himself. It's his fault if something goes wrong to those with whom he is attached. Okay? He takes it on board. He's an empathetic guy, and he blames himself. He's very guilt-ridden. So you can imagine, you know, breaking his promise, his vow to his former master, his dying words to his master, Qui-Gon Jinn, that he would take care and train this Padawan, Anakin Skywalker, and eventually lose him to the dark side in such, such a spectacular fashion. You know, that's going to be playing on Obi-Wan. That's going to be bad, 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 bad news for him. He's going to really struggle with that. He's also going to deal with the emotions of Anakin. You know, how... If you're Obi-Wan Kenobi, you've got this fight in you. You're a negotiator. There's going to be a part of him that wants to undo everything that Yoda has said about exile. And even though he knows it's for the greater good, even though he knows it's for playing the long game and making sure that Luke Skywalker remains to become that new hope that we see 19 years after Revenge of the Sith, part of Obi-Wan Kenobi must want to go and try to take down Darth Vader, because he's going to be hearing rumours of the, the the new Lord Vader. And he knows who that is. Of course he does. How is he dealing with this emotionally? He's going to know. He'll hear these tyrannical stories from across the galaxy and know for a fact that this is my former brother, Anakin Skywalker. There may be only four or five people that are in this time frame that are dealing and understanding that this is the the person, that it's Anakin Skywalker, the people at this point that know it's Anakin Skywalker, the Emperor, Tarkin, and Grand Admiral Thrawn, who is another character that could be fantastic in the Obi-Wan TV show. But, an aside, he's going to know that this is Anakin. He's recognised the word Vader. It's going to it's going to play on him. It's going to eat him. All right? It really is. How does he deal with that? I really hope that they deal with this because Ewan McGregor is a fantastic actor, you know? He's matured, he's, he's a fantastic actor and he's he's got depth, all right? This could be played so very well, so very well. You know, Obi-Wan's hearing across the hollow net all of these treacherous things that the 501st and that the Emperor is doing being being just just carried out by this blunt instrument, Lord Vader, you know, and... and, and He'll hear the rumours, you know, people being force choked and so on and so forth. All these crazy magical powers that that that, that Lord Vader has got. How does Obi-Wan deal with that? Emotionally, he's going to be struggling. Physically, he beat him. He beat Anakin. He did. You've got to wonder that if, if it mounts up so much, if you're Obi-Wan Kenobi... You're a master swordsman. You've already taken down Vader once. You've injured him to the point of pretty much death. You know that he's maybe not quite as powerful as you think he was back then. Because Anakin Skywalker, let's be honest, he was one of the most powerful Jedi out there. And if not the most powerful, destined to be by far the most powerful. You know, we saw that on, um, what was the, uh, the, the world where he met the three force entities? I forget the world in the Clone Wars, but we revisited it in Rebels as well. We saw him repel the living embodiments of the Force. He was the only one that could do that because he was theoretically the chosen one. But Obi-Wan beat him. Obi-Wan beat him. Sure, now he's fueled by the dark side, but he's cybernetic. It's well known in canon that 
Anakin never quite reached his full potential because of the cybernetic um, problems that he had. It was just holding him back. So, does Obi-Wan think to himself, I can't let this go on. I've got to go and do something. Anakin, you're my brother. I can try and redeem you. I can go there or I can try and end this. If you're Obi-Wan Kenobi, all I'm saying is that that might be something that you consider. All right, guys, this has been Spark of Rebellion. Thank you so much for joining me. Like I said, it's been a solo episode today. I've really enjoyed it. I like kind of shooting the breeze and just kind of getting some ideas off my chest. But my main man, Gary Aylert, and I will be back next week with a normal Spark of Rebellion episode featuring the review and discussion, the news section, and, of course, the random spotlight. So until then, if you want to get involved, go ahead and check out last week's episode. It was Gaz and I firing on all cylinders, having a really good time as we normally do. And of course, if you want to support the show on Patreon, if you want to get involved and if you want to get that exec producer credit or some of that fantastic swag that we give away, or if you just want to buy us a coffee because you really like the show, you can do that over at sparkofrebellion.com or patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. And hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. Give us a little search for Spark of Rebellion. Give us a follow. Let us know what you think about this episode where we dug deep into the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And until the next time, as my good friend Gary always says, may the force be with you always.